This is Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, inviting you to give consideration to our Early Learning Academy as you look for a place for your pre-K, kindergarten, or first grader. We would love to have the opportunity to serve your child. We have outstanding facilities and a wonderful staff of certified teachers itching to serve you. Come by and share with us as soon as you can. Is God real? Are the stories in the Bible true? I need answers. Welcome to A Closer Look with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you chose to spend the next hour with us as we delve into the study of God's Word. We can't do what we don't know. Here at Shiloh, we want to spend time studying the Word so that we can rightly apply the Word to our daily living and make a difference in our community and in our world for Jesus Christ. Won't you join us now for a closer look into God? Call your attention, please, to Judges chapter 17. In the book of Judges, chapter 17 through 21, stand apart from the rest of the book. Uh, it's, it's that area of Judges that most people probably do not cover. And if I'm not talking about you, God bless you. But most folk don't cover uh, chapter 17 through 21 of Judges. After you get through with Samson, most of y'all are through with the book. After y'all get through with Samson tearing down the, the, the arena, most folk move on to something else. But there are some unique things that are found in chapters 17 through 21 that we might find interesting and helpful to us and certain contemporary things uh, that, that we might be able to pull out of this that might be beneficial to us as well. Uh, it's interesting because uh, in, in, the, in the evening Bible study, we're looking at the minor prophets. Uh, we're talking about major messages from the minor prophets. And today, I'm dealing with Micah uh, on two ends. I'm dealing with Micah at noon, and I'm dealing with Micah tonight. But it's two different Micahs. Uh, the Micah that's in Judges is not the Micah who wrote uh, the book uh, or, or whose name is on the book Micah, because we don't know whether or not Micah wrote Micah anyway. But uh, the story of Micah is found in Judges chapters 17 and 18. Uh, we're going to cover 17 today. We're going to cover 18 next week. Interesting features found in Judges 17 through 21. Number one, no foreign oppressor is identified in these chapters. From, from, from 17 to 21, no foreign oppressor is identified. In other places in the book, we're told that oppression comes from Mesopotamia, from Moab, from the Canaanites, from the Midianites, from the Amalekites, from the Philistines. But when it comes to chapter 17 through 21, no foreign oppressor is named in the book, which leads us to this understanding 
From 17 through 21, the writer wants us to see that the enemy is within and not without. That's important. Most of us, when we go looking for trouble, we, we look outside. Where's the trouble coming from? We start looking around to see from where the trouble is coming. Few of us recognize until it's way too late that most of our trouble doesn't come from the outside. It comes from the inside. There is corruption that takes place within. That's the first feature I want you to see in, in these chapters. Feature number two. The Israelites are the children of Israel because Israelites suggest that they are a nation and at this point they are not a nation. The children of Israel are not accused in 17 through 21 of worshiping foreign gods. Instead, what they are accused of is worshiping God, our God, in an improper inappropriate or sinful way. They employ idols or forbidden images, but they seem to believe that they are worshiping Yahweh when they employ them in the worship. This is very similar to what happens in Exodus chapter 32 when Moses is up on the mountain and he's taking too long to come down and the people prevail upon Aaron. They take all their gold and give it to Aaron and Aaron fashions the gold into a calf and then they parade the calf around and they say, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. It's important to recognize they are not guilty of worshiping idols in these chapters. They're guilty of worshiping God in an inappropriate or wrong way. Not everything that we do has to do with worshiping idols. Sometimes it's our worship of God that is inappropriate. We're worshiping the right God, but we're worshiping God in an improper, sinful, or wrong way. God has a standard that he expects us to live up to. And the fact that we come to church on Sunday does not mean that we have met the standard. The fact that we serve in a ministry, the fact that we sing in the choir or usher or do whatever it is we do. I know y'all gonna say, what about you preachers? The fact that we preach in the pulpit has nothing to do with whether or not we are truly worshiping the Lord as God wants to be worshiped. God is the spirit, Jesus says. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Therefore, any worship that is not in spirit or in truth is an inappropriate worship of God. Feature number three. There are no judges named in Judges 17 through 21. There are people named. We're going to deal with Micah today. But Micah is not identified as a judge. He's identified as a person. And one thing you're going to find out very quickly is that he's a terrible person. First thing they said about him is that he stole money from his mom. I know y'all ain't ever read this. 
because y'all look shocked. <gasps> he did that? That tells me y'all ain't never read it. First thing that's, first thing out the block, he stole money from his mama. No judges are named in, in chapter 17 through 21. Number four, we as the readers are repeatedly reminded in these chapters that there was no king in Israel and that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That is found in 17 verse 6, that is found in 18 verse 1, that is found in 19 verse 1, and that is found again in 21 and 25. It's a point that the writer wants to get across. That's why it's repeated so many times in this last section. There was no king, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And if you say, well, isn't that found in other places? No, it's not. It's only found in chapter 17 through 21. Number five. While there is more than ample opportunity for the writer to specifically identify the sins that are committed in the text, he tends to minimize any editorial comment, leaving the burden of interpretation on the reader. In other words, he wants us to think for ourselves. He wants the reader to read it for himself. And he wants the reader to read it from a certain perspective. And that perspective is the law. Remember, this, is, this was written thousands of years before Jesus. So, 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 so you can't apply a Christian uh, perspective on this. It was probably written during the time of the monarchy during the time of either Saul or the time of David, because he makes the point, as we just said over and over again, that what took place during this period was when there was no king in Israel. He's distinguishing what happened before with the current status of Israel at the time that the writing was done. But the expectation is that you would have, an un the reader would have an understanding of the law so that the reader can draw the appropriate conclusion of how the law was not being followed. Specifically, you need to draw from Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Okay? These are things that, 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 that we want you to see as we move into these verses. Let's look at Judges chapter 17. There was a man from the hill country of Ephraim named Micah. He said to his mother, remember that 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you? I overheard you when you pronounced your curse. Well, I have the money. I stole it. I can stay right there. I have the money. I stole it. But now I've brought it back to you. His mother said, God bless you, my son. 
As he returned the 1,100 silver pieces to his mother, she said, I had totally consecrated this money to God for my son to make a statue, a cast God. Then she took 200 pieces of the silver and gave it to a sculptor, and he cast them into the form of a God. This man, Micah, had a private chapel. He had made an ephod and some teraphim idols and had ordained one of his sons to be his priest. Are you reading this? Y'all checking this out? In those days, there was no king in Israel. People did whatever they felt like doing. Meanwhile, there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah and from a family of Judah. He was a Levite, but was a stranger there. He left that, he left Micah's house, I'm sorry, he left that town, Bethlehem in Judah, seeking his fortune. He got as far as the hill country of Ephraim and showed up at Micah's house. Micah asked him, so where are you from? He said, I'm a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah. I'm on the road looking for a place to settle down. Micah said, stay here with me. Be my father and priest. I'll pay you 10 pieces of silver a year, whatever clothes you need, and your meals. The Levite agreed and moved in with Micah. The young man fit right in and became one of the family. Micah appointed the young Levite as his priest. This all took place in Micah's home. Micah said, now I know that God will make things go well for me. Why, I've got a Levite for a priest. Interesting story, don't you think? And, and this is just part one. You got you, you to stay around till next week to get part two. We're introduced to a man named Micah from Ephraim. And the very first thing we're told is that Micah was less than a model son. Micah took 1,100 pieces of silver from his mother. He stole from his mother 1,100 pieces of silver. We don't know why he stole it. Scripture doesn't tell us why he stole it. Scripture doesn't tell us why he brought it back. Scripture only tells, we're led to believe that perhaps he brought it back because she announced a curse on whoever stole the money. Well, don't you think that you should have felt a certain degree of shame before you ever took your mama's money in the first place? Don't you think that if, that, that if you had any love, any respect for your mother, you wouldn't have taken the money in the first place? But Micah stole money from his mother, and somehow he overhears his mother cursing whoever it was who stole the money. I got mamas in here, right? Y'all know what y'all would have said, right? If y'all found out your 1,100 pieces of silver was missing. I want them all to go straight to... I can't say it because we're being taped. So. 
I want them all to go straight to there. And Micah seems to have felt some degree of, of guilt and responsibility. He says, Mama, you remember that $1,100 that, that, that came up missing? Well, I know where it is. Well, I guess you do since you're the one who stole it in the first place. I, I took it, but here it is. I didn't spend any of it. I got it all here for you, and I'm bringing it all back to you. Notice that when he brings it back, she says, God bless you. God bless you, my child, for bringing back the money that you stole from me in the first place. God bless you, my child, for, for feeling a certain degree of guilt after you had been so conniving and so low down that you would steal money from your mama in the first place. God bless you for, for, for recognizing the error of your ways. But then right on the heels of that, it says that she had decided that she was going to use this silver in order to make statues of God. In other words, to make graven images. Now, I know you all love the Ten Commandments. What does commandment number two say? You shall not make unto me any graven images. But what she decides to do is take 200 pieces of the silk, give it to a sculptor, and he cast them into the form of a God. For Micah, this would be just one more form to add to his collection. Because the next thing we read is that he had a private chapel with a shelf full of idols. You know how y'all go on your trips and y'all collect stuff and bring them back? Some of y'all collect keychains. Some of y'all collect salt and pepper shakers. I don't know what it is. But, but, but y'all got a shelf all the stuff that you collect. Apparently, Micah collected graven images of God. And he kept them in his own little private chapel. And he worshiped God in his private chapel with his son as his private preacher. No going, to, well, there is no temple. No going to the tabernacle. No going to a common place of meaning. He kept everything in his private chapel. And he used his son as his private preacher. In that time, there was no king of Israel. And everyone did what they saw as right in their own eyes. It's a dangerous thing 
for us to substitute God's standard of worship for our own standard of worship. And yet, in the year of our Lord, 2019, this goes on more and more and more. Statistical data shows that fewer people go to church today in this country than at any time in recorded history. At any time since such statistics have been taken within this nation, fewer people go to church today than ever before. Less than 40% of people in this country, I believe the last number I saw was 38%, less than 40% of the people in this country attend worship on a regular basis. So flip that number over. If, if 38% go to church, if I did my, where's Ms. Polk? Make sure I did my subtraction right. <laughs> 100 minus 38 leaves 62, right? Y'all tell Ms. Polk I got it right. She was my first grade teacher. Y'all tell her I got it right. 62% of the people in this country do not attend church. 62%. Which means that that we have substituted our own spirituality, our own spiritual practice for the worship of God. Now, first thing somebody's going to say, and, and if there's nobody in here, somebody who's watching me is going to say, well, all y'all folk who go to church ain't right. And you know what? You're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Not everybody who goes to church is right. That's not the point. That's not the point at all. Not everybody who goes anywhere you go is right. You're a member of, of a fraternity or sorority? I guarantee you, everybody in there ain't right. Don't keep y'all from paying thousands of dollars in dues every year. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. People who go to the school that you graduated from, all of them ain't right. Y'all been paying attention to the news recently about LSU? All the stuff popping up in the, in the audit report coming from LSU? All them folk ain't right. You ain't going to stop going to, to, to football games and basketball games and baseball games out there at, at LSU because of that. That's, that. that's a bogus excuse for not going to. They ain't all right. You got folk in your house who ain't all right. You ain't kicked them out yet. You got folk who sit at your table who ain't all right. That's, that's a bogus excuse. What it comes down to is you're lazy. I ain't talking to you. You in here, so don't get it. No, somebody's, yeah, no. Yeah, you lazy. I ain't talking to you because you here. Here's, here, here's another word for it. You're trifling. That's what you are. You're trifling. And you want to substitute your spirituality 
for what God has called for. This is not a matter of an arbitrary standard. God made it abundantly clear when Moses came down out of the mountain. Commandment number two. You shall not make unto me any graven images. So this is not a matter of Micah deciding he's going to substitute his thinking for some other person's thinking. This is a matter of Micah saying he's going to substitute his thinking for God's thinking. And by the way, I think it's commandment number seven. You shall not steal. Mama, I took you 1,100 pieces of silver. So in at least two places, Micah substituted his thinking, his standard of spirituality for God's standard of spirituality. It's dangerous when we do that. Because what you say, why is it dangerous? Because you think you're right and you're not. Here's one thing that I've learned about doing wrong. If you do wrong long enough, you can convince yourself that it's right. If you do wrong long enough and get away with doing wrong long enough, you actually get offended when somebody calls you on the wrong that you've been doing. We should recognize that God has a standard. And, and, and you're sitting there saying, well, what wrong are you talking about? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Y'all like Ten Commandments. I like the two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And, 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 and the one who commanded us to love God and love our neighbor says that it is our obedience to his commands that are the measure of our love. So when scripture says, when, when, when Hebrews says that we should not forsake the assembling of the saints of God together, and, and, and everybody in here accepts that Hebrews is divine scripture, and y'all didn't say a word. Somebody should have said, yeah, we accept that. Y'all ain't say nothing. Okay. Hebrews is part of the canon. Y'all do know what Hebrews is, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. It, it, it's, in, it, it's in the New Testament canon. In Hebrews chapter 10, and I want to say it's verse 25. Terrence, you'll correct me if I'm wrong and put it up on the screen. Make sure I get it right. You shall not forsake... The assembly of the saints of God together. So when you choose to substitute your will for God's will, when you choose to willfully disobey what God says, you are saying, I don't need to go to church. I can worship the Lord just fine by myself. You can worship the Lord by yourself. I want to be clear on that. You can worship the Lord by yourself, but that's not what God intended. God intended for us to come together. 
God intended for us to help one another. God intended for us to keep each other straight. Once again, if you, if you do wrong long enough, you start to think the wrong is right. It takes a brother or a sister to pull you to the side and say, you ain't doing right. Or did you forget the part where Jesus says, if you find a brother in a fault, take him to the side privately and seek to correct him. And then if he still doesn't act right, take somebody else with you and try to correct him again. And then if he still doesn't act right, then bring him before the church and try to correct him. It takes a village, not just to raise a child. It takes a village to worship the Lord the way the Lord wants to be worshipped. Because we get off on our own little tracks. He said, I don't need to go out there and worship. I, 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 didn't, I didn't made a church in my own house. And I got all these different statues. I picked up this statue when I was in Judah. And I picked up this statue when I was in Naphtali. And I picked up this statue when I was in Issachar. Notice the carving on this one. It's different from the one that's on. That's what y'all do. Y'all make that so important. But you miss out on the true worship of God. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. The problem is your eyes get glossed over with foolishness. Your eyes get glossed over with sinfulness. Your eyes get glossed over with selfishness. And so doing what's right in your own eyes is a dangerous thing when it comes to the worship of God. God doesn't want you to do what's right in your own eyes. God wants you to do what he told you to do. Because what he told you to do is right. If there's one absolutely positive way that you know that you're not going to do wrong is to simply do what God says. Turning your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Look at verse 8. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel as he's giving his farewell address. Don't continue doing things the way we're doing them at present, each of us doing as we wish. Do you see that? Skip down to verse 28. Be vigilant. Listen obediently to these words that I command you so that you'll have a good life, you and your children, for a long, long time, doing what is good and right in the eyes of God, your God. Moses draws a distinction. He, he, he draws a contrast. Doing what we wish is living by our own personal standard. But doing what is good and right in the eyes of God suggests that God has a standard that he expects us to live up to. Micah and his mother were doing what they wanted to do. They were roughing it out, doing as they, they were following mother wit. And let me tell you something, mother wit, because everybody in here either is a mother or had a mother, 
So y'all got good feelings about Mother Wit. But you do know that Mother Wit ain't always right. I don't expect you to say amen to that. But Mother Wit ain't always right. Because there's some things Mama told you to do that ain't found in the scripture. You know, like when somebody, when, when, when you come home and somebody's been bullying you and, and they beat you up and you ran home crying and mama said, next time somebody hits you, you pick up a bottle or a brick or whatever you can find and you hit them upside their head. That's mama wit. That ain't in the scripture. That's just one example. I, I can give you a couple more. I've told y'all a thousand times, my grandmother would cuss folk out from time to time. And, and she would just say, well, I, I, I just laid my religion down. <laughs> Laying your religion down is mother wit. But, 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 but that's not what God expects. God has a standard. And he expects us to live up to the standard that he's given. We should not engage in homemade religion. And if you are engaged in homemade religion, when you find out that your homemade religion is in opposition to the word of God, then you got to have sense enough to lay your homemade religion down. I acknowledge the fact that, that, that life is a growth process, that, that, that we don't know everything all the time, that, that hopefully every day we learn a little something. We, we, we learn a little more than we knew the day before. And so sometimes what we do, we do because we don't know no better. But when you learn better, you ought to do better. When you learn that it's not right to hit somebody upside the head with a bottle, and you ought to stop looking for a bottle to hit somebody upside the head with. Amen. There's more than one way to hit somebody with a bottle, by the way. There's the literal sense, but there's also the metaphorical since and, and while many of us haven't thrown a bottle literally in a long time, we've thrown some metaphorical bottles right upside people's heads. That's not Christ. Christ says, bless those who curse. Do good to them that hate. Pray for them that use and persecution. I didn't see, and when all of that runs out, pick up a bottle <laughs> and hit them upside the head. Amen. When you learn better, you ought to do better. Well, that's, that, that, that's just part of his problem. He, he, had, he had a homemade religion in his homemade church with his homemade graven images. But he needed a better mediator 
between him and God. He, he, he had appointed one of his children to be the mediator. But along comes a Levite. Scripture says that he was traveling from place to place. He was a stranger. And when he got to Micah, Micah asked him where he was from and uh, told him all about his business. And he said, well, just stay here. I'm going to make you my homemade preacher for my homemade religion in my homemade church in my house. Part of the problem with, with, with this Levite was that he was a person whose needs had been ignored. If you, if, if you know anything about your Jewish uh, history, uh, when all of the tribes were apportioned land, one tribe was not given land. That was the Levites. Levites were not apportioned any land because they were supposed to be special priests to God. And it became the responsibility of all of the other tribes to supplement the incomes, to take care of the needs of the Levites. Turning your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 12, look at verse 19. Again, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel as he is giving his farewell address. And make sure that for as long as you live on your land, you never, never neglect the Levite. Do you see that? Never, ever neglect the Levite. Clearly, this was a command that was being ignored. How do you know that it was being ignored? Because it said at that time, everybody was doing as they wish. No one was following the divine standard. No one was following the, the instruction that God had given. But instead, they were doing what they thought was best in their own Eyes. And here's the danger, here's, here's one of the dangers of substituting your thinking for God's word. You always think you know better than God does. I know what the Bible says. That should be a period. But for most of us, that's not a period. That's a comma. I know what the Bible says, comma, but... And everything that comes after but is wrong. So if you've ever found yourself saying, I know what the Lord said, but, just know, everything that you said after but is wrong. Everything that you said after but is you trying to justify what you've already decided you're going to do. I know what the Lord said. I know what the Bible said. I know what God expects, period, exclamation point. Nothing else should come behind that unless you're going to say, I know what the Lord said, do comma, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. But that ain't what y'all mean when y'all say that. 
See, see the, the, the preface statement, I know what the Bible say, is for you to justify the fact that you ain't going to do what the Bible said. I know, but you ain't going to do it. It's like when, 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 when some of us get stopped by the police and they ask you, do you know how fast you were driving? And some of us, I didn't say it was me, I said some of us. Now why would I just automatically think it was? <laughs> we, we, we say, well I know the speed limit was 65. Everything after that but is wrong. In fact, it's self-incriminating. Because I have just acknowledged, I know that what I was doing was wrong. You have the right to remain silent. Sometimes you ought to exercise that right. Wondered about that, you know. I, I, my mama told me that that if, if you went to the dance on Saturday night, you better not put on the choir robe on Sunday morning because you had to go and beg the church's part. And I often wonder how they know you at the dance Saturday night, unless they were there too. But 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 you know. That's, that, that's another story. Every time, every time you justify, every time you rationalize, what you're doing is you are, you are substituting your will for God's will. Micah said, uh, th this works out well for me because I, I can take this guy and I can make him my family priest who will serve in my homemade church just for me and my family. And the reason why this was appealing to the Levite was because he didn't have nothing. He was unemployed. He was homeless because he was going from village to village looking for work. Now, now you're going to say, well, shouldn't he be looking for work? He had a job. He had a job. He had a divinely appointed job. His problem was the folk that he was supposed to serve were not living up to their responsibility to take care of his needs. You want to know what opens folk up to corruption? The fact that their needs are not being met. Somebody's going to say, well, you ought to have better integrity than that. And you're right. You should have better integrity than that. But help folk have integrity. Treat them right. When I was in New Orleans uh, pastoring there, the New Orleans Police Department was one of the most corrupt police departments in the country. Somebody's going to say it still is. I, I can't speak to that. But I lived there from 1983 to 1992. And when you lived in New Orleans during that period of time, you were as afraid of the police as you were of folk on the street. 
they were one of the most corrupt police departments in the country. And part of the reason why they were corrupt was because they weren't being paid. The starting salary for a police officer in the New Orleans Police Department in 1983 was $15,000 a year. Consequently, many of these police officers were working overtime in the private sector doing security for different businesses in order to supplement their income. And some of them were making so much money doing the side jobs that it was two times or three times more than they were making doing the job of a New Orleans police officer. Well, you tell me, and I, I'm not saying that it's right, but I am telling you what he is. If you're paying me three times more than what I'm making on, on, on what's supposed to be my first job, who's my loyalty to? Who's my loyalty to? That's all right, you can get quiet, but you know I'm telling the truth. Put yourself in that position. Where, 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 where you're working one job that's supposed to be your main job, and it is from that job that you have the opportunity to do these other jobs because they were hired to do these other jobs because they were in the New Orleans Police Department. If that's your function, and if you're being paid twice the amount of money doing this than you were doing, doing what's supposed to be your main job, then when they ask you to do something, what you going to do? Unfortunately, for too many of them, the answer was they were going to do corrupt and criminal things. Now, th th this might not be the most spiritual thing that you're going to hear when you come in here, but this is a matter of practical truth. If you want folk to behave with integrity, then treat them with integrity. Because if you don't treat them with integrity, you open up the door to corruption. Yes, the person is responsible for walking through the door. I'm not removing from that person or that group individual responsibility and accountability uh, for, for, for carrying themselves in an integritous way. But you could help by not opening the door. This Levite was looking for employment because the people who were supposed to be his employers weren't taking care of him. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They weren't doing what they had agreed to do. They weren't doing what they were warned to do. Do not ever, ever, ever neglect your responsibility to the Levites. As a result of their failure, 
This Levite is out there on the street wandering to and fro trying to find the best place that he can find to latch on so that he can take care of himself. And he ends up working for a man who is so low down that he stole 1,100 pieces of silver from his own mama and had his own church in his own house with a stack of graven images. And do you know what he thought? Scripture doesn't say what he thought, but I'm going to tell you what I think he thought. <laughs> At least I can eat. At least I can sleep. At least I ain't outside. Because remember, verse 6 says, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. You need, you need to keep going back to that phrase. You need to keep, because that, that's, the, that's the linchpin in everything else that happens. How did they come to that conclusion? Everybody did what was right in his own eyes. How could they think that way? Everybody did what was right in his own eyes. Didn't they know that what they were doing was wrong? Everybody did what was right in their own. You, you have to keep going back to that. Because what it says is if you're doing what is right in your own eyes, you're doing what's in your best interest. You don't care about nobody else. You only care about you. That's why Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, the very first thing he has to do is deny himself. Selfishness is the antithesis of the worship of God. Very first sin of scripture is found in Genesis chapter 3 where the serpent tells the woman you will not die if you eat of this fruit. And it says that the woman looked at the tree and she said that, that when she discovered that the fruit of this tree was pleasing to the eye and profitable for gaining wisdom, she ate it in spite of the fact that God told her to leave it alone. <coughs> Selfishness. Selfishness. That's, that's what gets us into trouble. Following what's in our, what's right in our own eyes. So, that's how chapter 17 ends. We're going to see what happens in chapter 18. <laughs>